Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host. Hey, good evening, Chelsea. Thank you so much for the introduction. And hello, listener. I'm Ashish. your friend and every week i sit down for 40 minutes with our experts on topics you are curious about yes you heard it right listeners command the topic of discussion today we has andeep with us and we deep dive together into the topic of product management this is the first episode of the upcoming series around product management topic let's go and get over with this curiosity Thank you so much for taking time out and uh, having this discussion. I think our uh, listeners would be usually benefited from this discussion because the kind of work experience you carry around this product management field is tremendous. Fifteen long years. So over to you if you can share what your experience have been in this uh, product management field and uh, how your the different companies how different it was. Uh, right. So thanks for the opportunity, Ashish. And um, so I'm I'm. a very avid product manager uh, product management is a, is not just a profession it's a uh, it's a passion for me and um, if any of my advice or any of my learning can benefit the fellow uh, product managers i would be very glad uh, when it comes to uh, my experience so overall i've been uh, in b2b saas space for about uh, 15 years now and uh, majority of these the seniors has been um, within product management so i would say core product management uh, experience would be uh, about 12 to 13 years out of these 15 uh, over the course of last 15 years i've had an opportunity of working for uh, companies ranging from 30 employees to 30000 employees um, some local startups some bigger names like salesforce and acquisition group uh, currently i'm with wingify uh, wingify is a, is a leading b2b saas player in um, marketing technology space and um, we have amazing products that that help marketers get more out of their digital properties that's nice sandeep also the work experience that you carry would might have uh, clarify for you also and uh, that's the biggest doubt which our users carry that how different it is to work with a startup as a product manager and uh, also with an established company which is better to start your career with uh, with a startup or uh, with an established company where uh, you have a lot of people to guide you all right so i would say if you are starting out um my recommendation would be to start out with a bigger company because uh, at the onset of your product management career uh, your focus should be on uh, learning from the best of the breed and uh, working for a startup and working for um, an established larger company it's uh, two different ball games uh, in in bigger companies you already have established processes in place you have uh, super experienced people who have been doing it for a while uh the product itself has very likely reached um, um it has gone through all of those startup early stages right where you are not trying to validate the market anymore uh, you're not trying to validate the product market fit anymore you're not trying to go viral viral anymore you're not trying to um um work on stickiness anymore those things have been taken care of um your your focus uh, is mostly on growth uh 
scaling the growth. So you're already generating revenue. Uh, how to get more revenue out of the existing product? Um, so your focus is on a maintaining what already exists, um, and there's a lot of baggage, mind you, in terms of already existing products. So any change that you make, you have to take into account things like backward compatibility, data migrations, and so on and so forth. Um, and B, you have to work on sometimes incremental improvements. Uh, in rare cases, some some bigger leaps uh, in an established company. So that gives you a lot of sort of a safety net to play around with, uh, to experiment with, to learn with, and to even fail to some extent in a controlled environment. Startup, on the other hand, uh, you starting with a green field. Um, in majority cases, startups are in um, improving stickiness of their product. Uh, or working on the virality of the product, or uh, if the virality has been proven, trying uh, to extract first revenue, um, leave alone the scalability side of things. So at that stage, um, if you, there's not so much time to learn, um, and there are only so many mistakes those startups can afford. So entirely different ball game, very difficult and, and expensive to make mistakes in, um, in a startup world. So it's better to learn in an established environment in larger companies at the onset of your career, and once you have like a considerable good amount of experience, then move over to um, a startup and apply those learnings. Okay, that's uh, I think that will clear a lot of things for the product managers out there and uh, who are trying to get into this field. Another thing which uh, uh, which everyone uh, who is trying to get into this field would like to know how how does a day of a product manager look like? Well, what all things you do in generally start of the day and the end of the day? Are there any specific things which you have to do every day? Or uh, uh, you said that you start uh, you have worked with a 30 employees company and also a 30,000 employees company. So how how different it is? Is it different? Or uh, if it is different, how different it is? Yeah. So. It's very different. It, it varies a lot between. Uh, depends on the size of the company. Depends on the stage of the product. Depends on um, what kind of product managers you are, and also depends on um, what level in your career growth you are at. Because uh, um, if let's say you are leading product management department, your day would be entirely different compared to a new entrant. But in general, I mean, if, if you were to generalize and summarize things, um, it typically centers around, uh, um, let's say one day you could be talking uh, your quarterly or um, six monthly uh, strategy with your, with your uh, stakeholders. Uh, you could be discussing your plans with engineering, longer term plans. Uh, another day, you could be part of the weekly and fortnightly meetings with the with customer facing teams, sales, support, uh, customer success management, um, so on and so forth. Um, if you're managing a department, then a lot of your time would go into having one-on-ones with your own team, obviously, um, with other, other product managers that work for you, understanding their needs, understanding their obstacles, and facilitating yeah. them, and making them successful. Uh, Major part of the day also goes into brainstorming. Uh, if you are, let's say, working on a bigger design, then brainstorming the design with the design team, um, brainstorming the implementation part with developers, also with stakeholders, because many times they get looped into um, into all of these planning stages as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, major piece is analytics. 
if you are a data driven company and every company should be uh, mm-hmm. you would tend to measure a lot around your product right so figuring yeah. out if a if you are tracking the right metrics because again the metrics depend on on the growth stage of your product the growth stage of the company uh, are you tracking too many metrics and are you tracking is the data correct or not implementing them looking at them uh, day in day out and seeing those trends and patterns as to hey how come the engagement level is going down uh, what is the adoption rate for the new feature that we launched last week can how can we move it up a lot of time goes into that um there are also status meetings um yeah. so in which you were spending time with let's say uh, the team leads of the, the project managers understanding the uh, the statuses of uh, any key initiatives or key features um that either are happening within product or could be cross team and uh, could go beyond product as well mm-hmm. um last but not the least uh, a lot of time goes into into customer interaction obviously and that right. uh, in an ideal world that should take up um at least half of your time as a product manager um, going on customer calls it could be for for customer research user research market research it could be for getting feedback on what's coming what's in the pipeline roadmap in many cases um if you're working for a sales driven company the sales team tends to pull product management onto some key strategic pitches that they're making so a lot of time goes into into customer calls as well i think uh, uh, being a product manager you are working with all the teams and uh, being present everywhere so i think yeah good that uh, yeah and uh, so uh, that's uh, that's really insightful and another thing which i wanted to ask you as uh, what has been your strategy throughout these uh, 12 13 years to uh, to be a successful product manager you have grown ranks in the in the product management field so uh, what is that particular strategy or uh, things which a product manager should keep in mind while taking up this role and uh, you know to move away right uh, that's a good question so i think um, product management as a role is often misunderstood and is is fairly broad so many times uh, pms are tagged with this tagline okay you are the ceo of your product which uh, should be true in ideal case right but being a ceo means a lot of things um yeah. lot of times a lot of product managers they have this understanding hey i own this product but when they get to the the nitigity the day to day execution they tend to lose focus of this this bigger tagline ceo of the product so Thanks. my advice and something i've i've learned over over a decade and a half is to focus on the basics um which is to act as ceo of your product right and uh, this would mean um uh, having a very strong customer empathy and market understanding right nothing is more important than these two things if you have a product manager and he only has like i don't know 8 10 or 12 hours in a day to work on at least at least 6 hours should go into understanding the needs of the customer uh and understanding the market right now another trait that i've learned is never to start with a solution always to start with a problem so let's say if you're discussing if you're on a call with a customer um a lot of pms tend to start pitching the solution they already have in mind which which could be biased by let's say their own research their own experience uh, never ever forget that you are a representative of your user 
uh, or your customer. You're not the user. You're not the customer. So focus on their problems. Listen in. Um, and then when the time is right, start working on the solution. So spend majority of your time in listening to problems and understanding the problems. And I would say just 20 to 30% time on defining and building solutions for it. Very key. Um, another pointer is to, and which is actually one of the biggest responsibility of, of any product manager is to constantly align business strategy with product strategy. And okay. in turn, product priorities with product strategy, right? So if you were to draw like, uh, I don't know, um, a diagram in which uh, you have all of these elements in place, at the top will be business strategy, which is where the business wants, wants to go. Um, what is the main focus? Is reducing churn the main focus? Is acquiring more customers the main focus? Is growing into new markets the main focus for this year and the next two years, right? So that has to be very clearly defined at business level. Right. And then right. product strategy comes into place, right? Which is like, hey, if we were to go into some, some adjacent markets or new regions, this is what the product will need to do. And this is how product can help with this strategy. So that's product strategy. Then comes your product roadmap, which is actually the feature. Um, and there's relative timelines and dependencies. And then you have a backlog, which is even finer granular view of your roadmap something that can be consumed by engineering teams. And from your backlog, you have user stories and then task, sub-task level details. So having all of these five, all of those five, six layers in alignment is, is something um, of, of very high importance for a product manager. It's not easy, it's not easy because yeah. there are so many things happening at all of those levels. Um, also, um, I'm personally a big advocate of agile and lean. And uh, people tend to respect Agile and Lean to just execution side of things. Agile and Lean apply a lot to the business strategy and product strategy side of things. So always be on the watch out or uh, look out for ways to fail cheaply. Because any new feature that you are you're dreaming up of, any new feature trying to build, is, is one goddamn experiment. Right? You, you can never be sure if it's going to work or not until it's right. out there and people actually start using it. So... Mm -hmm. uh, fail at a point where you've only invested like few days or weeks or at most months um, and then learn something from it and then pivot versus, versus failing after months or years of, of investment and then realizing, hey, you were totally, on a, on a, uh, you were totally off track. Um, I think the last couple of points, um, so... Data being data driven is is great, but many a times product managers kind of fall in this into this trap of being too data driven. So I tend to use the term data informed versus data driven because data driven means all of your decisions are based on data. Um, data informed means um, yes, you have data to give you all the insights around hey, what are the major trends in in terms of users customer patterns, growth, and all the metrics that matter to your business and your product, but uh, there's no replacement for um, the, the, the product acumen, the, the business um, gut feel. Uh, if that gut feel is informed by data, great. Otherwise, if you're only data-driven, data-driven PMs, they can only make minor tweaks to their existing product, for example, because 
their all of their data will be in context of their existing product and they will never be able to see the bigger changes uh, the bigger leaps of faith um, which which are 50% gut feel and 50% data so be data informed uh, don't just be data driven so I think uh, it's it's very important to understand the customer voice and customer insights uh, uh, together. Uh, that's uh, that's a very uh, very very good point. And I think uh, uh, let's uh, get deep into uh, some of the points you suggested and some of the strategies you suggested are uh, very important for a product manager. So how do you uh, how how did you use to or how do you still get into the mind of your customer? So who who are using your uh, product? And how do you understand that it is uh, just a voice of a customer or uh, you get proper insights from your uh, data analytics platforms which you are using? So how, how you know, uh, we would like to understand that, uh, you know, what strategy you use to get into the, uh, get inside the mind of your customer. Right. So as I mentioned, um, we, we collect a lot of data around uh, our product users. Right. Um, at my, micro level, so at let's say feature level, um, as yeah. well as macro level, at, at broader product areas of product line level, as well as business level, and try to tie them all together, right? Um, okay. So, so uh, those data points, they are early indicators of where we need to focus. And uh, yeah. if if we let's say are tracking churn, and churn is a big problem in and for any B two B SaaS company out there. And it's one of the okay. few areas where they tend to focus most or earliest because if you do not plug churn, no matter how how much you grow, you have a leaky bucket to fill, and eventually that right. bucket will will become empty, right? So churn right. prevention is great. Let's say you're trying to prevent churn, and uh, so you must have some business level numbers around that, and uh, mm -hmm. then you should have your product level numbers and indicators that kind of align with that. A global metric of churn, um, and these these could be users per account because engagement and users are early indicators uh, or drop in in these two is an early indicator of churn happening, right? So if you were, were to work on like the churn prevention, you should be tracking engagement. Now, for now these data points give you cohorts of customers that you need to focus on. Um, now engagement itself could give you give you cohorts or segments of customers where you say, hey. Uh, X percent of customers are very highly engaged. Let's reach out to them and learn what makes them stick around, what makes them come back frequently and use our product on a repeated basis. And maybe if we can learn those inherent needs um, and those inherent motivators for them to come back, we can replicate that for customers who are not engaged. Um, so once you're at that stage, then you start interviewing people. Again, there's no substitute for actually talking to customers. It may not be possible for all businesses because in B2C space, um, if you speak to a handful of customers, you may be uh, skewing your, your decisions based on a very narrow sample size. But in B2B, um, uh, speaking to a representative set of customers is very, very crucial. Um, sure. And there are interview, interview techniques for that. So one of the techniques we use is called uh, Jobs to be Done Framework, which is very popular nowadays. And it's mm -hmm. very effective. And the Jobs to be Done Framework, is it basically says that customers hire your product to solve for a need. And they may have other ways of solving for that need, right? And they may have obstacles or pushes and pulls and from preventing them or pulling them towards the, uh, using your product or buying your product, right? So 
uh, in your interviews, you have to tease out all of those things and then use it for your benefit in terms of, hey, maybe we can bring engagement up by by building certain feature or making certain things appear, uh, while making it easier from US perspective, so on and so on. I think listening is a crucial piece. Um, again, the piece I said about uh, leading with um, problems, not solutions. So, so listening intently for problems and not solutions is key here in the interviews. Also, um, on the flip side, when it comes to, let's say, new feature development, many a times, um, especially in your younger years, um, if you're a product manager, you tend to build whatever the customer asks for. That's actually a very negative strategy. Uh, that means you have no strategy at all, to be honest. Because many times, customers don't know what they want or need, right? They just think of a solution and they lead with the solution and they come to you. Uh, to give you a very sort of unrelated example, a customer may come to you and say, hey, Mr. PM, um, build me a bridge. I need a bridge. And um, so a good PM, um, sort of the start of the bad PM, a bad PM would uh, basically go ahead and build a bridge and later on realize, hey, building bridge was never the core com competency of his, his organization and it's very hard to maintain and they rust and they fall and uh, the customer only uses use it once. A good PM would actually go deeper. So once he sees that demand of, hey, build me a bridge, the, a good PM asks question. He's like, why exactly do you need a bridge? And then he'll say, hey, we want to cross a river. And then the next question would be, do you want to cross this river or other rivers as well? And if the answer is uh, other rivers as well, you might as well build them a boat, which does the same job, right? But it's, it's more portable. You can take it elsewhere. Um, and if you're, let's say, into into professional services industry. Your professional services heavy. You can say, hey, customer, let, there is even a better solution. How about we teach you how to swim? Now, you don't need a boat to carry around. You don't need a bridge to take care of. And you can swim in a swimming pool if you want to. You can swim across a river if you want to. Um, there could be multiple ways of solving for the same ask from the customer. You have to align that ask to your business strategy and your business core competency. Right? So that's key. That's that's very insightful. Uh, and uh, another thing, which uh, you know, uh, leading question to this: How often do you uh, you know talk to your customers, to, uh, talk to internal stakeholders? Is it, is there a fixed timeline, or you uh, generally interact with them every day? So what's uh, what's your strategy around that? How often do you try to meet your customers, or internal stakeholders, to take their buy-ins? How does it work for you? Right. So. Customer interviews, um, they happen practically on a daily basis. Um, if, if not me, then someone from or else from product management team would be on those customer calls. Uh, so a few times a week uh, is the frequency. It, it actually goes up and down depending on if we're, let's say, focusing on a new feature, um, building a new feature. And for that, even we, we, have, uh, we have used uh, Google Design Sprint for that. And... Uh, uh, they basically are all about uh, finding the, a problem to focus on in a collaborative environment with stakeholders and, if possible, with customers as well, figuring out a solution. And then on the fifth day, you actually test those designs in a live environment with, with, a, with a customer for usability and usefulness. And that way, you actually fail very, very early. Um, so if, if that is happening for a major feature, then 
there could be actually uh, tens of calls in a given week uh, with customers. With stakeholders, uh, it it depends. Um, now we have monthly release cycle at 25 for for products. So for product planning, at least once a month we meet with stakeholders. Um, for product demos, so we have bi-weekly or, or fortnightly uh, sprint cycle. So we have two sprints every release. Um, so we we demo whatever is being built every two weeks to the stakeholders, whoever is interested and uh, whoever can provide us feedback. Um, then we can have ad hoc meetings with, let's say, marketing, sales, all other functions for ongoing collaboration um, on, on various products or products that, that are being built. Mm-hmm. Um, we at least meet quarterly for strategic planning. Um, it the, this cycle could be longer for bigger companies. That, uh, I mentioned month-long releases um, at Megafire Salesforce. We had uh, three major releases every week, so uh, every four months we would have a release, and the whole cadence was centered around that that four-month release. So it, the frequency may vary, but the stakeholders um, um, and all of the, the groups remain the same. Okay, so uh, they have to be informed. I think uh, uh, that's the general criteria behind that. Uh, another thing which I would uh, uh, like to know from you is a, a product manager. Is it very necessary to have a technical background, or a product manager who has an MBA background can also succeed in this particular field? So, how important it is to uh, really, really understand the technical aspects, or uh, is it? Uh, it would be good to have a little bit knowledge around that, understand what is the actual requirement of the product is, and uh, uh, you know, if I'm able to converse with the technical team, that would be enough for uh, you know to succeed in this particular area. It's an interesting question, and actually, it's something we have pondered over a lot. Um, at Megify and also at Salesforce. So okay. um, a lot of companies kind of have two types of product managers. One are customer focused and the other are inward focused or execution focused. The execution focused ones are also called product owners and they work with engineering teams in defining requirements. And they tend to be more technical. I personally, I'm personally not in favor of that model because then you're creating an artificial divide in which uh, you're creating another layer in which uh, Somebody does their market research, somebody does their customer research, brings this to the product owner, and then things get lost in the in translation. Um, in my opinion, what is most crucial is, again, going back to the basics, is customer empathy and market understanding for building a successful product. Otherwise, I mean, you could have, uh, and I'm not saying having technical knowledge is bad, because that is a, definitely a nice to have, especially if you want to build some rapport with uh, engineering teams. And especially, um, and it's actually not a nice to have, it's a must have if you're working on a technical product, like let's say if you're selling APIs, then yes, right. you have to have right. technical background. Right. Um, but if, if, if let's say you're, you're, you're selling um, marketing tech products or HR tech products, or I don't know, hospitality industry tech products, then, they do not necessarily need you to have technical knowledge. A high-level understanding of the technical concepts is, is great, and I think it, every product manager must have, so they can have a meaningful conversation for feasibility uh, discussions with their with their engineers. But they should not be worried about the internal design as long as they understand, hey, the design is going to be scalable, 
um, it can support up to these many users. So they should always, always be focused on the market user, usability requirements and uh, scalability requirements. Yes, they should be able to say, hey, this this product should be able to scale for 10,000 users per second at its peak, and that's it. Uh, beyond that, the technical architect technically should make it happen. Uh, product manager don't necessarily need to understand all nice cases. Okay, so uh, uh, as far as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, so uh, it's very, very uh, crucial for a product manager to have a business knowledge and the technical knowledge can be bypassed, but uh, he has to has to have uh, have an understanding of uh, what the business requirement is and how the industry look like, and uh, also to understand the market how the market works. So business knowledge is very crucial for a product manager. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. And uh, uh, let let's get a little bit technical over here now. Uh, what product methodologies uh, you have been using, and what have been the best ones which you have used? And apart from that, uh, uh, you know how many uh, you have been uh, you have used uh, during your tenure? Uh, if you can shed some light on that. All right. So overall, I've I've worked with. Um, um, depending on the type of project, uh, I work with uh, Waterfall as well as Agile. And um, Waterfall was actually a minor minor fraction of the of the product I did because um, Waterfall is best suited for projects where you you have done that project like seventeen thousand times and you know the requirements are not going to change. And those products um, are are usually few and far between, if any. Uh, in majority cases. Uh, Agile was the way to go for us, and Agile is a philosophy, it's not exactly a methodology. So within Agile, um, I worked with Scrum, Kanban, uh, Extreme Programming, uh, large-scale Scrum, um, and uh, scaled Agile framework, uh, sorry, uh, Scrum um, at scale as well. So uh, majority of the, the, the teams that I work with, uh, they use Scrum. Uh, Especially, I think the prerequisite for Scrum is if you have a predefined roadmap for at least, let's say, a month or so, um, then you can you can safely be on Scrum. Um, if it's more volatile, then Kanban is probably the way to go. Okay, so uh, so if if you are with a startup, uh, you suggest that you should go ahead with uh, Kanban, and uh, if you are with an established company, you should uh, use Scrum more. That's uh, uh, that's the proper understanding for me. Yeah. Right. So Kanban, Kanban is essentially, I mean, you, it gives you the flexibility to change things on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, and if your business demands that, yeah, Kanban is for you. Uh, Scrum is more suitable if you have a roadmap, which is not going to change so much in the next one month or so. Okay. That's pretty interesting. I, I think uh, solves a lot of doubts which I had and which I had a user might also have. So, uh, what uh, what do you uh, you know what would be your advice to the uh, people who are going to start in uh, in this particular product management as a career and uh, have been uh, you know who have started uh, in a year back or so? So, uh, what do you suggest to them uh, through this medium that uh, they should do in the beginning of their career and uh, how they should take ahead uh, this particular role? Right, you asked me about people who. Oh, all the new PMs, like the people. Yeah, uh, the people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think again, I, I'll repeat uh, the line: um, be the CEO of the product. And uh, I know that that's easier 
said than done because um, it requires a lot of nurturing, a lot of lot of support from the top leadership as well. Um, but you have to take ownership. Uh, you have to see your product as a business, not just a feature delivering machine. Because feature delivering machine may be building something that nobody needs or nobody will ever use, right? Um, now, if you are to be the CEO, don't ever hesitate to ask for support and empowerment from your top leadership, right? Um, but if times are tight, uh, never shy away from getting your hands dirty either, right? So especially in a startup-based environment where things may not be perfect, you may not always get the resources and whatnot. So I've personally, let's say, I've done QA for my own products. I've done designing for my own products. I've uh, I've done project management for my for my products. Uh, whatever it takes. I mean, in a startup-based environment, you have to do that because it's 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 your it's your baby, and you have to ship it no matter what. Um, again, uh, another advice is uh, something that young uh, PMs at a younger stage of their career they tend to do is to focus on too many metrics. Again, getting too many too much data driven. Always, always restrict the number of key metrics that you're trying to optimize to one or two. Um, if it's churn, it it let's say. Um, uh, the annual revenue uh, that, that gets renewed, right? So focus on one metric and then try to optimize it versus 5,000 metrics because then you'll end up optimizing nothing. Uh, features alone will not solve your problems. Uh, at younger stage, and I, I, I'm guilty of committing the same mistake, um, uh, product managers, the only answer they have to every business problem is, hey, let's build more features. Uh, that may not cut it because you have to think holistically. You have to think about uh, if churn is problem, again, reusing the same example, building more features may not help because if people are not even sticking around to use your core product, how come, let's say if you add 10 more features to that core offering, they'll come back for it. We have to think from the perspective of how about I start promoting existing features more, working with product marketing? How about we start changing our pricing a bit um, how about we make the renewals annual instead of um, quarterly or monthly? So those kind of ideas should come from product management as well. So building feature is not the only solution and not the only responsibility. And again, uh, stay lean and agile. Um, release early, release quickly, uh, fail early, and learn and, and pivot as quickly as possible. Uh, that's. Uh... I think uh, that's brilliant advice, uh, Sandeep. Uh, another thing, and I think the last uh, question which I would have uh, for you is, what are the key certifications uh, which can help the product managers to uh, su uh, to succeed in their careers? And uh, you know, any tools which uh, they should know before starting uh, in this particular uh, career path? Right. So, with respect to certification. Um, I would say uh, jobs to be done framework, although there's no clear certification for it, but jobs to be done framework is a very powerful framework. Historically, um, it, it's, a, it's a newer thing in, in product management. Historically, people were very focused on personas, and personas give you a very partial picture of the world. They tell you, hey, uh, male, males who are between 25 to 35 in California can do this a lot. Uh, what it does not tell you is what job are they trying to really solve with your product and what are the alternatives they can switch to. The jobs to be done framework, um, getting at least some courses from them, and there's tons of courses available um, on, let's say, Stanford, 
um, continuing studies upside, Coursera, and so on and so forth. Also, mm-hmm. another another good tool or framework is Google Design Sprint, which I which I alluded to earlier. Uh, there, it's a very powerful concept, and it aligns really well with the lean mentality of failing early. Because in Google Design Sprint, you're actually failing at uh, uh, concepts and design state itself by just spending four days on a solution. Uh, now, imagine failing four months uh, into building a solution. So, Google Design Sprint is a very, very crucial way of failing early and learning quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are into Scrum world, I would suggest a certified Scrum product owner, CSPO. It's, um, it's a certification offered by Scrum Alliance. Uh, there are other, I think, PO certifications a lot, um, provided by other certification bodies as well. So you can look look them up as well. The CSP or any of the, any of the equivalents. These would be good ones. In terms of tools, um, um, so again, I mean, nothing is a replacement for customer empathy and market understanding. Tools a bit of a secondary thing. Mm-hmm. They are means to an end, but uh, you can't go wrong with learning uh, Google Analytics, um, especially if you're into B2C space. Um, it's a de facto tool. Um, for road mapping, um, AHA or Asana, they're both good. Um, Jira is, is a great tool and it's very universally used for execution states. So let's say all the project management aspects and seeing where, where all the initiatives are. Um, Balsamic is, a, is something I find really useful as well and I've used it in multiple companies for high level wireframing, you know, low fidelity wireframing. Um, for customer um, understanding and market, uh, customer understanding mostly, especially around engagement and um, uh, users, Netero is a great tool. Um, segment.io is also pretty awesome. It's, it's very good at collecting all the event-based data, and then you can aggregate it the way you want. Tableau is, is, is a, a great tool as well. So there's a bunch of them out there, Mixpanel as well. Thank you so much, Sandeep, for giving these insights. And I think this general discussion around uh, how the product management field is and uh, what are the tools and really, really help people to make their decision to whether enter in this field or not. And uh, we would definitely would like to have you back. Okay. Thank you so much, Ashish, uh, for the opportunity. Glad to help. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandeep. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.